had he had a physical illness, he would have asked for some help. But because he was struggling mentally, he just didn't think he could do that. Magical greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the World Needs Magic podcast. I'm Rubens, director of spells and co-founder at Abra Academy. Abra Academy believes the world needs magic, not only rabbits in hats, but the magic of people. Use magic to create powerful learning experiences, full of joy and possibilities, so that everyone can reach their full potential. Magic can also enhance well-being, from confidence building to social skills to a sense of belonging. I'm calling attention to this aspect today because we have a guest who has been making a true impact in the mental health space. Jeff McDonald. Jeff is a friend, a global advocate, campaigner and consultant, but very passionate about addressing the stigma of mental ill health in the workplace. After 25 years with Unilever, Jeff left his role as global VP of HR to co-found Minds at Work, a charity whose purpose is to inspire and equip individuals to eradicate the stigma of mental illness and create workplaces that are life-enhancing. We'll be talking about mental health during the time of this pandemic, how to have difficult conversations and work toward breaking the taboo. Jeff. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Talking about connection, I'd like to start with connection with ourselves. And you seem to have a very strong purpose. How come? So um, before I start, Ruben, I just wanted to uh, say thank you for having me today on your uh, webinar and uh, for those very kind and generous words that you uh, uttered at the beginning of the webinar around some of the work that I've been doing over the last uh, eight years in trying to create workplaces all over the world where people in those workplaces, and by the way, a kindergarten is a workplace, a fire brigade is a workplace, um, the army is a workplace, yes, HSBC is a workplace. Uh, but I've spent the last eight years trying to create these workplaces all over the world, including in your home country, Ruben, um, where people just feel they genuinely have the choice to put their hand up and ask for some help if they are suffering from a common form of mental ill health. We should have no workplace anywhere in the world where somebody doesn't think that it's actually okay to put your hand up and ask for some help if you're suffering from a common mental ill health condition. Because in every workplace all over the world, people know that they can put their hand up and ask for help if they are suffering from a common physical ill health condition. And you know, we are mental, we are emotional, we are spiritual, and we are physical. And we should be able to talk about all of that um, and when we need help, irrespective of whether it's a physical, mental or emotional ailment, we should be able to ask for some help. And that is my purpose. It's very, very simple to try and create those sort of workplaces all over the world. And I suppose in some ways that purpose began to germinate back in 2008 when I got very ill with anxiety-fueled depression. And, um, and the only thing that, that actually kept me alive during some of my darkest moments uh, was, was knowing how much I was loved by so many people. And I think it was that power of love. You know that emotion? It's probably the most powerful emotion. Uh, there's so many songs that have been sung about the power of love. And, and, you know, during my darkest moments, just knowing that I was loved by so many people is what kept me going. 
during my recovery. And, and I, I only experienced that outpouring of love because I was absolutely determined after being diagnosed, I was determined not to be burdened by the stigma that is associated with the illness. And so I told my family, I told my friends, I told my employer, and I just, I just felt this wonderful outpouring of love. Uh, and in 2012, you know, it took me three months to get better. I got myself better. I went back to Unilever. I had a 26 year career, global head of HR for all of our marketing, communications and sustainability around the Unilever world. Uh, but in 2012, one evening I was walking home from, from the office and my wife called and she told me that one of my very good friends had died by suicide that afternoon. And, you know, he was, this, he was the sort of guy who, um, the brighter the light, uh, the darker the shadow. I mean, think about that. The brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And here was a guy who brought so much love, compassion and energy to the world. And, and now he was gone. And I lay in bed that night, Rubens, and I just, I came to a very simple conclusion. And the conclusion was that stigma had just killed my friend. And the difference between him and I was I'd been able to have a conversation. I'd been able to talk about my illness, but he didn't think that he was able to do that. He was an alpha male Afrikaner South African. And, uh, and you can imagine what those people look like. Um, just think about the, the South African rugby team, these kind of alpha male macho South Africans. And he just, he just couldn't have a conversation. And instead he died by suicide. And I lay there that night and I thought that's not fair. It, you know, stigma has just killed my friend. Had he had a physical illness, he would have asked for some help. But because he was struggling mentally, he just didn't think he could do that. And I'm not saying to you this afternoon, Rubens, that had he been able to have a conversation, he would definitely be alive today. But what I am saying is, had he been able to have a conversation, there's a tiny, 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 tiny chance that he might still be alive today. That one conversation might have just led him in a different direction. And Rubens, that is worth fighting for every single day of my life to create these workplaces all over the world where people feel they have the choice to just put their hand up and ask for some help if they're suffering from a common form of mental ill health. Yeah, Jeff, and you say that in your case, it saved your life talking about it. What's the power of talking about it for, for the person, you know? Well, for me, Rubens, it was that just that, well, I think the first thing, um, is, is, you know, going to a doctor and being diagnosed and getting the diagnosis actually gave me the power to feel liberated to talk about it because I was, I was, act, I was able to talk about a, a diagnosis from a medical practitioner. Um, I suppose it gave me a, it gave, it gave a label to, to how I was feeling and what was wrong with me. Um, so I felt empowered and liberated to be able to talk about it. And then, as I say, you know, it was, yes, of course, the medication helped. And yes, of course, the cognitive behavioral therapy helped. But, you know, just knowing that I had these friends, I had this boss, I had this family at the time who just loved me. And they loved me for who I was in the good times and in these very bad times. And I think it was just feeling so loved. Um, that emotion is what is what kept me going. Thank you. And what's wrong at organizations 
that make it so difficult for us to ask for help when we are like in a very competitive space, like working hard. I think. Why is it? Yeah, look, you know, I mean, um, Rubens, I'm going to I'm going to talk from a you know I had a 25 year career with Unilever, a global multinational, a big corporate, and and in many ways that is my that is my experience, and and therefore you know I have a point of view on this, and and often our point of view is determined by our viewpoint. So if you think about my viewpoint, is 25 years working for Unilever and you know interacting and engaging with other like-minded individuals in organizations of that kind of nature so i i'm not necessarily talking from the point of view of a of a kindergarten or of a um, or of an sme a small medium-sized enterprise but in many ways these big corporates you know it, they all have this kind of macho image about them there's something quite macho there's something, you know, most of them are at the very senior levels are made up of, of men. Um, I remember years ago when we first started to try and introduce coaching uh, for senior leaders in organizations, you know, that, that was poo-pooed because it was kind of seen to be, I mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, are, are you weak? Can't you take the heat in the kitchen? What do you mean you need a coach? Meanwhile, um, you know, when Roger Federer wins Wimbledon every single year for I don't know how many years, the first thing he does is he turns to his, he turns to his box and he thanks his psychologist or therapist or his coach or his, his wife. He just turns to that box and he just thanks them for all the support and the help that they have given him in helping him to win Wimbledon. Yet in, in, in most big corporates, that kind of reaching out for help asking for help seen to depend upon somebody else is almost seen as a you know as a weakness and um and you know even the word resilience i mean corporates love this word resilience how do we make people more resilient because it plays to the sort of tough image that we want to create i mean there's you know there's nothing tough about anybody and there's nothing weak about anybody we're all just human beings i mean i hate these terms i feel stronger or i feel weaker I mean, it's, it's not about strength and it's not about weakness. It's about just being a human being and having some frailties and being vulnerable around those frailties. And so I think in, in big corporates, it's kind of this asking for help is, is, is just not, is, is kind of not part of the culture. And there's a lovely saying, Charles Mackesy, I think he once said, you know, asking for help is not giving up. It's actually refusing to give up. And I, th I think the more we can create corporate cultures where where we can all be more vulnerable, where we can all be more human, where we can talk about um, our whole self, uh, our emotions, our cognitive abilities, the more we can create those more human workplaces and appreciate you know, the frailties that, that, that we all have as human beings, um, to appreciate those and to see them in many ways as, as, a, as, as something that is value adding, which brings compassion and empathy to the workplace, uh, the better. But, but for as long as we've got this kind of macho, alpha, you know, resilient, corporate, 24-7, you know, get my badge of honor. You know, I get my badge of honor is to tell you how stressed I am or how hard I've worked for the last year. I mean, why is that the badge of honor uh, rather than the sort of the humanity that you're bringing to the workplace? Thank you, Jeff. Amazing. 
there is also the aspect of the narrative around mental health being quite negative. We talk it's anxiety, depression, everything. It's very heavy, uh, opposed to physical health, where you go to the gym and everyone feels good. And how can we change a little or evolve this conversation? Yeah, it's a very good point, Rubens. And uh, you know, in many ways, I've often, you know, over the years, I've I've often said that you know, mental health is the most damaged brand I've ever, ever come across. Um, because when you hear the word mental health, people immediately go to illness. You know, they'll go to depression, they'll go to anxiety, they'll go to post-traumatic stress, they'll go to schizophrenia. But when you hear the word physical health, people don't immediately go to glandular fever or cancer or diabetes. You know, if you walked into a Nike store, uh, for those of, that are in London and you were to go up Regent Street and you were to go into the big Nike store in Regent Street or anyone anywhere in the world, you would see um, what I call chiseled whippets uh, all over the walls, people with absolutely beautiful bodies. And I would walk in there with my not so beautiful body and I would look at this, this picture of inspiration and I would think, wow, maybe I can have a body like that. So why don't I go and buy a pair of running shoes or go up to the weight department and buy some weights. When it comes to mental health, the images that we see are so negative. They're usually a black and white photograph, somebody with their hands in their head, somebody in a mental asylum with a, with a white coat on. I mean, there's nothing inspirational and aspirational about mental health. And, and I think, you know, in order to shift that narrative, we actually need to understand what we mean by mental health. I mean, mental health is a wonderful thing. It's my cognitive ability. You know, when I'm mentally healthy, I can make good decisions. I can rationalize stuff. I can read data, analyze it, come to a conclusion. You know, I, I mean, it's my cognitive ability and it's wonderful when I'm mentally healthy. Uh, it's wonderful when I'm emotionally buoyant uh, because, you know, if my emotions and my feelings are buoyant, that helps me to have good cognitive ability. And, and I think we have to, you know, in shifting that narrative, one, I think we just need to start, we need to start talking about mental health in a more positive way around and use different language around mental fitness or cognitive ability or mental well-being and, and focus more on the positive side of, of mental health. Mental health is a wonderful thing to have. Uh, and yes, of course, some of us, you know, struggle and we, we're not so healthy and we have moments during the course of our lives when something just happens to us and, and we get ill. Um, I think the other thing, uh, Rubens, is, you know, I, I think we've got, to, we've got to look to try and create heroes out of people you know, who might have had a bad patch in their life, um, who might be struggling or have struggled from mental ill health, you know, like a depression, like an anxiety. And, and how do we make heroes out of those people? You know, I mean, I mean, Winston Churchill, you know, I mean, he was a depressive. Abraham Lincoln was somebody who suffered from depression. You know, Marie Curie. Uh, you have some other more recent people here in the UK who are creatively beautiful human beings. You know, whether that's uh, Ruby Wax or, you know, or some of these people who bring such joy to the world, yet they also struggle with, you know, at times mental ill health conditions. Stephen Fry is another one. Uh, so how do, we, how do we make heroes out of those people who have struggled in the past rather than labeling them as somebody who's weak and who wasn't able to take the heat in the kitchen and, you know, has got no value to bring to the world? 
I mean, a couple of weeks ago or months ago, I was interviewed by CNBC about, um, about you know, mental health and what's happening in organizations. And you know, these two journalists, you know, at the end of the interview, they said to me, they said, Jeff, I mean, why on earth would you ever, would you ever recruit somebody who had suffered from a common form of mental ill health? So if you had two candidates in front of you, one who had in the past suffered from depression or anxiety, and then you had another candidate who had never suffered from anything like that. You know, why would you recruit the person who might have suffered in the past? And I said to them, let me tell you why I would recruit that person. That person who's suffered in the past is probably a better listener. That person who suffered in the past is probably more compassionate. Do you know that that person who suffered in the past has probably overcome a very, very big challenge in their life? You know, they've kept going. They've, they've recovered. They've got over their, their, uh, their dip or their illness. I mean, that's a huge challenge that they've got over. You know, in many ways, that person is, is probably a better human being. And, and I, would, I would like to see more human beings leading workplaces today than some of the narcissists that I see leading nations. I see them leading organizations and causing chaos in the world. And, um, and so it comes back to my point around being a better human being as a result of all of that. And, uh, and, so, and so for me, you know, there's some positive things that have come out of my crucible moment in life. I, I'm definitely a better human being. I'm a better listener. I'm more compassionate. I'm more as a leader in tune with the symptoms and to be able to look out for those and support people. Imagine having a, a line manager or boss who was kind of like that. And so, and so how do we shift that narrative? You know, we, different language, different images, make heroes out of these, these people and, and actually see what are some of the benefits that somebody can bring to the workplace as a result of, of what they might have been through. Thank you, Jeff, that's amazing. I think it, I, I was going to talk about this concept of post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. Uh, there is this idea that what doesn't kill you make you stronger. And the diversity hypothesis states that people require diversity, trauma, and setbacks in order to grow, find fulfillment. So what do you think about that? Uh, well, I, I love the fact that you use the word grow rather than make you stronger. Um, you know, that that trauma has helped you to grow and maybe to become a better human being. Um, rather than has made you stronger uh, or <laughs> because you didn't come through it, therefore you are weak. Um, so I love this concept of growth. And, and you know, in many ways, I think that um, COVID-19 and what we're going through right now has, um, has, 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 made us, has made us grow, has made us um, appreciate one another a lot more you know, the mere fact that we've lost these social connections and, and I was saying to you earlier, you know, I'm a little bit tired of, of COVID-19 right now and, and all the lockdown because I seem to just be doing everything on my own right now and everybody else is doing everything on their own and those social connections and connecting with one another, like we started this thing, you know, that word connect and how important that is. And I, and I think, you know, we are growing back into that that sense of community that sense of kindness that sense of connection which has been so missing in our world and 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 it's an opportunity to kind of reset and to grow in that kind of direction so you know and i don't want to take away the tragedy the tragedy that covid-19 has brought to bear on many families 
on, on individuals, on economies around the world. I mean, it's absolutely tragic. But I do think that this, that this period has given us an opportunity to kind of just reset, reflect, and to think about the kind of world that we want to create into the future. Uh, and, and therefore the opportunity for this new seed to germinate and to grow. Thank you, Jeff. We have three minutes left. So I'm going to ask you one last question. What, how can people take part at Minds at Work? Yeah, look, you know, Minds at Work is just a charity that Georgie and I co-founded. And as you said earlier, you know, the, the purpose of our charity is to inspire and to equip individuals to break the stigma of mental ill health in their workplaces. And it is very democratic. It's very, very inclusive. You don't have to be an HR professional or a CEO. You can be anybody in any organization who has a passion and is wanting to make a difference in that organization. And by coming to some of our events that we put on, and I know it's been difficult at this time, but you know, we try and do eight events a year where we, we give inspiration and we help to equip people to just go back into their workplaces and, and address the stigma of mental ill health. We started with 14 people in our network uh, about four years ago. We now over almost 2,100 members and it's very, very simple. You know, go on to mindsatworkmovement.com uh, and just register your interest to be part of that network. And uh, it costs you nothing. We're very grateful to have some sponsors who've sponsored us over the last couple of years who host our events for free. And, and really all we want to do is create a space and a place where people can come, feel inspired and equipped to go and break the stigma of mental ill health in a workplace. Because if we can do that, if we can just create cultures and environments where people feel they can just have one conversation, they can turn to their peer, they can ask for help, we might just save a life. Whoa, what a learning. Thank you so much, Jeff. This is awesome. I hope you enjoy the chat and learn something new today. Please follow Upper Academy on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram for upcoming webinars. And to know more about what we do and how we can bring more wonder to your organization. Unleash your magic.